Welcome to the Dwellings Podcast. We're glad you tuned in. Enjoy this message by Pastor Gunnar. Just pray that to the Lord. That line right there. I don't want it. If you're not in it, Jesus, I'm what you're what I want. You're our one desire. What's happening in his church is that he's restoring his bride to their first love. We're returning Jesus. So where do we, we don't want bigger numbers and bigger buildings and bigger, more exciting things. We just want you. We just want you, Jesus. We just want Jesus. If we don't have your presence, we don't have anything. If we don't have your power, we don't have anything. So we welcome you to do what you want to in our lives. I just feel like today, as we were uh, singing, there's there's just like a, there is like a, a healing oil just running down our, our minds, just, just, just soothing our minds and anxiety. There's, there's just a healing anointing of the Holy Spirit just in this room right now to just transform the way we think, just renewing of minds. A lot of the things that we're anxious about and, um, and confused about, is it's coming from a, just a root that needs to be healed today. Uh, maybe a root that needs to be plucked out of our thinking today and just some, just some healing to take place in our, in our minds, in our minds. So Father, we put our, our hands on our heads this morning. We just ask you to, to just rearrange our thinking about who you are. The, the songs that we've sung this morning about who we are, Lord, that we would really believe it that you would heal the places in our minds that have believed lies about you. That you're a tyrant. That you're out to get us. And Lord, we've replaced those lies with the truth that you're a good father and you did everything possible to restore us to you. And I don't know if you're in this room today and you don't know him that way. The Lord's just inviting you in a relationship right now. The Lord's inviting you to say yes to what he did for you on the cross and receive it. And no, you'll never feel good enough. That's the point. He did something you and I could never do and he's offered us salvation. And so maybe that's you in this room today. And you just, if you just say yes to Jesus right now, Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I don't know how to do this thing, but I, I trust that you do. And so I ask you to come in and just rearrange, rearrange. Change me from the inside out. Change our thinking today, Lord. We give you our minds. You know, that's part of the first and greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, we wanna love you with our minds today. So you need to heal our minds. We offer you our minds. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Are you expectant today of what the Lord's gonna do in your life? He's already been working. He's already been moving in this place. He's got a word for us today. Thank you, worship team. You guys can be seated. Man, yeah, give them a hand. We're so thankful for y'all. 
Oh, man. Well, how you feel? Hey, feel good? Danielle's good. Uh, I know this past week we celebrated Veterans Day. And so I want to take a minute. And uh, if we got any veterans in the house, would you just stand? We want to honor you. If you're a veteran of the, any of the armed forces, come on, let's give it up for these guys. We're so thankful for you. Thank you for uh, serving our country. I, we take a lot of uh, we take a lot of what we got for granted, don't we? And uh, we got what we got because people say yes, and so we're thankful for you guys. Um, if you're first time, uh, make sure you make it out to the to the table in the lobby, and uh, just connect with us out there. Uh, today is our food pantry, our Thanksgiving food pantry, and so we we having it on Sunday for Thanksgiving today because we want anybody who wants in on it to get in on it because it's just such a joy to be able to meet some of our neighbors and uh, and just minister to their physical needs as well as just connecting with them and um, and praying for them and we want to invite you guys to be a part of that so from one to three today we're going to have our Thanksgiving food pantry giving away turkeys and Thanksgiving groceries out in the lobby. If you, if you got lunch plans, go eat lunch and come back and just love on some people. Or if you want to hang out, we got some hot dogs and drinks. So it's your choice. And um, I'm, just, I'm just thankful for our outreach team, just how they love and serve people. And everybody's a part of that. Can we give it up for our outreach team? Just They worked hard this week to make that happen. Well, today we start a brand new series. Are y'all pumped as I am? I'm pumped. Brand new series called Kings. Moments matter. One of my favorite deep dives into scripture that I've ever done is the study of the kings in the Old Testament. I know sometimes you can read some of that stuff and you're like, what is happening right now? Like the Old Testament is weird. Well, the New Testament is too. If you think of it, this book is weird. It's just weird by, uh, by our standards. But I, I love those old stories of the kings of Israel and Judah. And when I was a youth pastor back in Alabama, um, we actually went through a series in the kings. I don't know how long we, I think we studied every single king in the book, of the, in the book you know. And we had a timeline around the, the wall, like a wallpaper of every king that, that, I mean, Adam and Andrea were there. I know Robin Savannah was there. And that, that was just such a rich study for me. And, um, and so what we're going to be able to do through this series is just hit the highlights. But I encourage you to go read like First and Second Samuel, Kings and Chronicles. Some of them tell the same story in a different perspective. And it's just really cool to study what God did through those guys. Because this is overall, the story of all the kings of Israel and Judah is part of a bigger narrative of the Bible, right? So the big narrative of the Bible, especially in the stories, stories of the kings, is this, God's covenant people can't keep covenants worth a flip. <laughs> and so God had to take matters into his own hands. In John 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, glory of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. And he became the living sacrifice. He kept the covenant that we couldn't keep. And he's invited us in on it. And not just the Jewish people, but now, if you're a Gentile, come on, where are my Gentiles at? Then you've been grafted into this promise. This is the gospel. 
And even the gospel is on display in the Old Testament. It's like we couldn't do it, but Jesus could. And so all these kings, most of them, there were like 40-something of them, all were failures spiritually. There's two ways that the, the, the historians in the, in the Bible here would, would summate a king's life, like the end of that little chapter or whatever about that king, it would say one of two things. And he did right in the sight of the Lord or he did evil in the sight of the Lord. And unfortunately, most of them say the latter. But there's lessons that we can learn from these guys. And so as we dive into this together, I want you to just come away with this, this one thing, that there are moments in our life that create options. You ever been to a fork in the road? And you're either gonna do what's right or do what was wrong. You were either gonna do what God said or not. Over, over in scripture, it says, choose this day whom you will serve. I've, I've set before you life and death. Choose life. We all have those moments in our lives and, and, and in the lives of these kings, we see them so clearly and it's a gift to us because we can see the stories of these people who were actually people who lived, but then we can look at our own lives and let the Holy Spirit shine the spotlight on our own hearts and lives and say, okay, Jesus, help me not mess up. Help me stay on the path. Help me choose the right. And so at the end of your life, there are two important questions. The first question is, what did you do with Jesus? And the second question is, what did you let him do with your life? How many know I want a life of no regrets when I'm on my deathbed? How about you? Yeah. I don't want to look back over my life and think, I wish I would have, or I wish I wouldn't have. I want to leave a legacy that blesses my children. I want to leave a legacy that blesses everybody that I came in contact with. How about you? So today, I want to talk about the first king of Israel, Saul. Saul was one of those kings that was a bad king. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. And um, it really beckons the question, like, why do people do the things they do? You ever, you ever thought that? You ever seen someone on the news that, you know, they got their face plastered all over the evening news and you think, how can a person get to that point? And maybe you've looked back at your own past and think, how, what was I thinking? And I was looking at Saul's life and I, and I was thinking about going a different direction with this early on. But as I studied the life of Saul, I began to see a pattern. And it's a pattern that if I could be vulnerable today, I very much identify with. And I think many of you will as well. And it is the problem of insecurity. If you look from the very first words about Saul all the way to the end of his life, there is one thing. There's disobedience. There's, there's, uh, he's running away. He's doing all, he's, he's mad. He's, he's bitter. He's jealous. He's all of these things. But there is a root that needed to be healed in his mind. And the root was insecurity. And I believe it's, it's clear in scripture. When you look at his life, everything can be tied back to the insecurity in Saul's life. 
My own story is a story seeped in insecurity. The fact that I'm a pastor at all and that we planted this church is pretty much a miracle of God because if you'd have asked me 10 years ago, Gunner, would you be a pastor? And I would say, that's the last thing in the world I want. And, and, and for, for many of you, that sounds like humility, but where that was actually coming from was insecurity because I didn't believe I, could, I had it in me. I didn't believe God could do it in me. I didn't believe I was good enough. I didn't believe I was a good enough leader. We, um, we used to go to this conference that taught church planters how to plant churches. And we went to three or four of them before, um, maybe before we planted the church and even after. So what I'm saying, this is, a, this is a process, a journey that I've been on. God's brought me a long way, but I'm still, I still have those moments where insecurity raises, rises up in me. Okay, am I the only one can be real in here today? All right, anybody with me? All right, so we would go to these conferences and the team, some of you guys on the lead team were in, that, in, that, in those conferences with, with when we'd go. And, but you might not know this. I'm being real open today. I would, I would sit through these sessions and I'd be so encouraged and I'd be so excited and I'd be like, yeah, and I'd be dreaming. And then one thing would happen, like someone would get up and maybe that next session would start and I would sit there and my mind would start to wander. And I'd start to think about, I don't belong here. I'm not like those guys on that platform. I'm not, these, I'm not this huge personality. I'm not like this amazing leader. These people got 6,000 people in their church and right now we have zero. We don't, we don't even a church yet. And I'm like, I can't do this. What am I doing here? And we got people that already said yes, and they're on the journey with us. I feel like I can't back out, but everything within me wants to back out because of the insecurity that was in my heart and my mind. And I'd go outside and I'd get away from the, I'd leave everybody and I just had to get away. And I'd go outside and I'd go around the corner out here in the dark. Camera people driving me, they're driving crazy right now. And I get, I get around the corner and I don't want to throw up in the flower bed. Because I was so eaten up with insecurity. I'd be like, I can't do this. I'm not cut out for this. I'm not a good leader. I'm not a good pastor. I'm not a good speaker. Like just lie after lie after lie. And here's the thing. Some of you are listening to those same lies in your head. How many know lies sound a little truthful? Like the devil's not an idiot. Like he's going to put something in your head that may be partly true. How many know that you might not be a, the greatest leader right now, but the Lord can make you a great one. But as long as you don't live in the moment that you are and just stuck in the mud and all of your insecurity. I mean, you know, somebody, somehow you don't feel like a great mom right now. But you don't, you don't run from that responsibility as a mom just because you have insecurity about the kind of mom you are. No, Jesus can make you a really good mama. But insecurity will be the thing that holds us back. And so I want to look at the the life of Paul, and I want to, I mean, Saul, y'all got to catch me on that because I'll do it. The life of Saul, not wrong Saul, Old Testament Saul. Life of Saul, and look what insecurity can actually do because it's not just false humility. It's not a minor issue. 
And there was actually studying this. I had the fear of the Lord come on me because I was like, oh my God, I didn't realize where I was. And I don't realize even those little things that I let, those seeds of lies to get in my head, I don't realize how dangerous they are. Look what it did to Saul's life. And hopefully we will find the cure for insecurity, which is a God confidence. Not a a self-confidence. A confidence that says God is who he says he is. And I am who he says I am. And therefore, I'm going to live that way. Okay? So Saul's life started out bad in insecurity. Insecurity, number one, these are my points. I don't usually do this. Point number one, y'all ready, note takers? I'm doing this for you. Number one, insecurity sets you up for failure. Insecurity sets you up for failure. Some of us, because of the way we grew up or stuff that was said to us or done to us or whatever, we just kind of carry this insecurity and it almost becomes part of our identity. And I feel like Saul started out that way. He was a young man and one day he was looking for donkeys for his dad. The donkeys got out. And so he's going and looking for them and he's on, he's on his donkey hunt and he's got some guys with him. And they said, where are these donkeys at? And and the guy said, hey, I hear there's a prophet that lives nearby. (laughs) I love that. Like, I love that guy, you know, like maybe the prophet could tell us where the donkeys are. Just ask God. Yeah, if you're missing anything, just ask Rob. He can can ask the Lord for you and the Lord will tell him where your keys are. It's happened. So anyway, so he's he's looking for donkeys and somebody says, the prophet might know where they are. And he says, that's a good idea. So they go to the prophet's house Little do they know, the prophet Samuel has already gotten a word from the Lord. Hey, there's a guy coming looking for donkeys. That's the guy that you're going to anoint king of Israel. Because the, Israel wants a king. They're not rejecting you, Samuel. They're actually rejecting me. Give them what they want, but this is the guy. So knock, knock. Have you seen any donkeys around here? Saul's like, time out. I mean, Samuel's like, time out, Saul. You got more on your life than you think. All of Israel's hopes are focused on you. And here's Saul's reply in 1 Samuel 9, 21. Saul replied, but I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe in Israel, and my family's the least important of all the families of the tribe. Why are you talking like this to me? I originally wanted to take the angle of from humility to pride. That's not humility. That's insecurity. The word of the Lord from the prophet of the Lord interrupted his life in a miraculous way. I mean, talk about word of knowledge. You're looking for more than donkeys. God's looking for you. Here's what your life's purpose is. God speaks to him and he says, no, that's not who I am. Insecurity will set you up for failure, failure, but a confidence in in God will set you up for kingdom success. Not by the world standards, but if you want to be anything in the kingdom of God, you've got to think the right way about who you are and who God says you are. Number two, insecurity is a stronghold of the mind. There is a moment that takes place after the donkey hunt where Samuel comes to Saul with a flask of oil 
and he says, get down on your knees, son. And he pours the oil out on Saul's head. And as it runs down his face and he gets up to leave, he is anointed king. And the scripture says in 1 Samuel 10, 9, as Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart. Something happened in this insecure guy's heart. When he got up off the ground, there was something, there was a new grace on his life. There was like this, there was this strength of God that just came upon him. And you say, well, there we go. I mean, didn't that fix all his problems? God gave him a new heart. How many know you can have a new heart, but have an old mindset? And this is Saul's issue. And this many of our issues in the church is that we've been given a new heart. It's not a salvation issue. It's a, it's a thinking issue. And insecurity is not a heart issue. It is a mind issue. And repentance, the, the word literally means to rethink, to think again, to change the way you think. That's where lifestyle change happens is when we got, we got to think again. And so it's not a heart issue. It's a mind issue. Insecurity is a stronghold of the mind, but confidence in God will literally renew the way you think. It will renew your mind. Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your what? Your mind. Number three, insecurity will rob you of courage. 1 Samuel 10, 20 through 23 says, So Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel before the Lord, and the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by Lot. Y'all know what that means? They were drawing straws. I'm like, could y'all pick a better way to pick a king? <laughs> then he brought each family of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord, and then the family of the Mitrites was chosen. And finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. Listen, listen to this. So not only has Saul's donkey hunt been interrupted by a miraculous word from the Lord about his future, not only has the prophet of the Lord anointed him as king, God gave him a new heart. He knows something's different about his life. And now God confirms it through these supernatural ways that this is the king of Israel. And listen what happens. But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. He got cold feet. So they asked the Lord, where is he? Now, he learned something from those donkeys. If they, they couldn't find him. They, had, they asked the Lord where he was. They said, they said where, Lord, where is Samuel? <laughs> and the Lord went, he's hiding in the baggage. Some of us run from the call of God on our life and we're hiding in old baggage, but the Lord knows where we're at. The Lord knows where to find us. And listen, it says he's hiding among the baggage. So they found him and brought him out Listen to this. Let this sink in. And he stood head and shoulders above anyone else. And everybody saw who Saul was except for Saul. He's like, yeah. Dude's a king. Another place it says he was handsome. He was tall. He looked like a quintessential leader king. I mean, he was the boss. He was the man. And everybody saw it except for him. Number four, insecurity erodes trust. And I don't want to dig too deep into this, 
um, 1 Samuel 13, 7 through 14, it talks about this moment where um, Samuel has told Saul, hey, don't go to battle until I show up. I'm going to offer sacrifice. The Lord says, he's going to bless this if you'll wait. You remember the words we sang this morning? It's amazing how these songs lined up, like just waiting on the Lord. Sometimes he just asks us to wait. Well, seven days go by. Samuel's not shown up yet. Saul's getting impatient. He's getting scared. And I believe because of his insecurity that has eroded trust, not only in the prophet of the Lord, but in God himself and the word of God, he takes matters into his own hands. I believe that control is a trust issue. Why don't we try to change our husbands? Why don't we try to change our wives? Why don't we try to change our kids? Why don't we try to get our hands in it and, and control the situation? It's because we don't trust God. That's just the truth. It's because we don't trust God. And this is what insecurity will do. I have, to, I have to take matters into my own hands. Insecurity erodes trust, but confidence in God will deepen trust. Number five, insecurity will make you a slave to the opinions of people. So there was this moment where the word of the Lord came through Samuel to Saul. And he says, there's these people over here. They're evil. They're, they're murderers. They're pagans. They, I'm actually, and this is how it happened. This is how it worked in the Old Testament. I'm executing judgment on them, and I'm using you to do it. This is Old Testament stuff, Okay. If you read the Old Testament, you know what I'm talking about. Saul says, okay, here we go. They go to battle. The Lord says, I don't want you to spare the king. I don't want so much as cattle or anything left. Samuel shows up and he says, um, Saul, I hear some goats. What's, what's going on? Why, is, why do I see the King Agag sitting over here eating breakfast when God's command was to get rid of him? And he confronts Saul and listen to Saul's response in 1 Samuel 15, 24. Yeah, I sinned. I sinned. I disobeyed your instructions. I disobeyed the Lord's command. I know, I know, I know. Listen to the reason. For I was afraid of the people and I did what they demanded. I love what Bill Johnson says. If you live for the praise of men, you'll die by their criticism. It's true. Insecurity will make you slave to opinions, but confidence in God will set you free. One of the things that I've been saying, if you've been here, you know, what's one thing that's got to die in us? Fear man. We can't carry what God's called us to carry if we're, if we're worried about what so-and-so thinks. If we're worried about what our family thinks about our walk with God, we're already behind if we're worried about what our city thinks about our church, we're already behind. If you're worried about what the people you work with think about you and your relationship with Jesus, you're already behind and you're already giving in. You're already caving to insecurity. We cannot walk with God and fear people. You can't. You can't carry what he wants us to carry if we fear people. When I'm saying this with my mouth, it's a process I'm currently walking out. And you are too. That's why you're so quiet in here. 
But I'm telling you, the Lord's going to set us free. He's in the process of setting us free right now. Just by hearing the word of the Lord and seeing this in our life, he's opening our eyes to things we didn't even see when we, before we walked in here. And it, you see it in your life because God wants to heal it in your life. You see it in your life because he wants to take it out and he wants to pour something in better. God's not looking for perfection. He's looking for faithfulness. And that leads me to the next point. Number six, insecurity will cause you to abandon your responsibility. In that same confrontation, in that moment where Samuel is confronting Saul about, hey, you didn't do what you were supposed to do. You disobeyed the Lord. In that same conversation, Samuel says these words in 15, 17. Although you may think little of yourself, Saul, are you not the leader of Israel? Are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel and the Lord has sent you on a mission. This is a personal one for me. Because I feel like at some point in my life, just over the last few years, there was a switch in my thinking. I used to think I'm not a good leader. And at some point, the Lord convinced me, no, actually, you are a leader. Be one. The more you say you're not, you won't be. But the truth is, is it's who you are. Some of you say, well, I'm not a good dad. You're a dad. <laughs> be a dad. Be a good one. You may have some work to do, but Jesus can do it. But what, what insecurity will cause us to do is push away that responsibility. The more, that I, the more insecure I am, the more I will run from my responsibility. And you see this when David shows up to kill Goliath. We talk about David, but how many know Saul should have been the one that killed him? But instead, Saul is shaking in the corner with all the other soldiers. And the most insecure person, the person that had all the, all the right to be insecure shows up with all the courage. Think about that. No military experience. David's just a, he's a shepherd. He's like killed a few things with a rock and a slingshot before. And that's all he's got. And the whole army's over here hiding because the Philistines and this, this big guy named Goliath is threatening them. And, 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 and David's like, no, we ain't having this. You ain't talking to my God like that. And then Saul's over here quivering. And Saul says, actually, here, just why don't you take, why don't you take my armor and that's what we do. That's what insecurity will have us do is take what God's given us and try to put it on somebody else and say, you got this and call it empowerment. <laughs> to do what God has called you to do. Let me rephrase that. To not do what God has called you to do because of insecurity is still disobedience. It's still disobedience. And I would think the greatest thing for some of us that causes disobedience in our lives is I can't do this. If God's called you to do something, it carries with it the grace to do it. And for you to say, I can't do this, is you're already believing a lie and you're going to disobey. 
Ask me how I know. But praise God, he's given me chance after chance after chance and grace after grace. And I'm starting. I'm, I've tried so hard to believe it. It took me so long to receive it that he would choose someone like me to carry. That, that's the issue. It's a process of mind renewal. And so number seven, I don't have time for number seven. I'll just merge number seven and number eight. So number seven, eight is... Insecurity makes enemies of friends. Why? Because, je because jealousy. Okay. David kills Goliath. Philistines are on the run. The main enemy of the Israelites are on the run because the shepherd boys took a stand. They go into the city. They come back. Everybody's flipping out. They're like, yes, like the Philistines are on the run. We're awesome. And they're singing a song and they say, yay, Saul. Yeah, you're the man, Saul. You killed thousands. David, you're the man. You killed ten thousands. And instead of celebrating the victory, Saul goes, oh, wait a minute. Thousand, ten thousand. Wait a minute. Well, yeah, that offense hit me. I feel a little triggered. <laughs> but listen, if insecurity was not gripping his heart and his mind, he would be able to celebrate a victory for his people. When we can't celebrate a son who surpasses us, we've given in insecurity. So, insecurity... Will make enemies of friends. First Samuel 18, 29 says, Saul became even more afraid of him and he remained David's enemy for the rest of his life. So wait a minute now. We've been talking about moments and these testings where Saul gives in his insecurity every time. Now we're saying things like for the rest of his life. When patterns start to emerge in our lives, Unless we violently cut them off, they will continue and we will leave a legacy that we don't want to leave. If we allow insecurity to keep, to stay where it is in our lives, in our minds, in the way that we think, we will leave a legacy that does not bless, but it will curse. And we won't see people correctly. David never did anything to threaten Saul. David, in fact, honored Saul probably more, more than he was worth honoring. But David understood honor. And he was actually, there was a point in his life where Saul was out to kill him. He was hunting him down from donkeys to David. He was hunting, he was hunting David down. And there were two opportunities while he was being, while Saul was wanting to kill him that he could have killed Saul. He had the perfect opportunity. And they're like, David, there he is. He's asleep right there. Kill him. Like, do it right now. David says, I'm not touching the Lord's anointed. Two times. My point is Saul had no reason to be insecure about David. He had no reason to be jealous of David. He had no reason to hate David. But insecurity will blind you. 
Many people miss out on the best, most meaningful relationships, community, partnerships, because they're unwilling to deal with the insecurity in their own minds, in their own lives. It may be, if you've ever said, I just can't find the right friends. It could be that you need to find yourself. What I've learned, uh, I heard somebody say one time, if people really knew you, they'd like you. Because a lot of times we don't bring the real us to people, do we? We bring who we think they want. And one of the most liberating things in my life, and 2020 did this for me, and I'm still a work in progress, but it was a huge step. I'm just going to bring myself to whoever I'm with and not try to be who you want me to be, not try to be who in one environment I got to be this kind of person, and then in this environment I got to be somebody else. No, I'm, just, I'm, I'm doing my best by God's grace just to be me. And that's what, that's what God wants from your life. He didn't create you to be like somebody else. He created you. Number nine, insecurity will cause you to depend on someone else for spiritual direction and a word from the Lord. There was a moment in, in chapter 28 of 1 Samuel. We're just doing his whole life this morning. This is toward the end of his life. At this point in chapter 28, Samuel has died. And the Bible says that Saul could no longer hear the word of the Lord. God had, you're not going to listen. I'm not going to talk. Samuel was dead, so he couldn't run to Samuel. Samuel, give me a word. Give me a word. That's how some of us Christians live. I just wish somebody would give me a prophetic word to just to break. It's for my breakthrough. Rather than humbling ourselves and listening but he, he doesn't have Samuel anymore to give him a word. And he's about to go to battle and he's scared again because he's insecure. And he goes to a medium, a witch at Endor, not the planet on Return of the Jedi where the Ewoks live, but the biblical one and Star Wars reference. And, um, and so he goes and he says, hey, I really need a word. Could you conjure up Samuel? This is the weirdest story in the Bible, by the way. And she goes, bibbidi-bobbidi-boo with her little incantations or whatever. And guess what happens? Now, this will mess up your theology a little bit. Samuel's ghost comes out of that pit. And you know what he says? God's taken the kingdom away from you, Saul, and he's given it to your rival, David. That's not the word he was looking for. He falls on his face. They saw, Saul, we got to go to battle. Saul, wake up. We got to go. You got to eat. You, gotta, you need something to eat. Saul finally gets up, eats his last meal, goes to battle. And it's in this battle. The Lord's not with him. And the army is defeated and Saul and his armor bearer are cornered. He's wounded and he says, I'm done. He takes his own life. 
and not to be morbid. But in 1 Samuel 31, 10, they cut off his head and they hang him on the wall of the city. At some point, your insecurity will put you on display. Insecurity leaves a tainted legacy. If you let it stay, you won't bless the people in your life. You won't leave your kids with a blessing. Your life won't be fruitful for the kingdom. This isn't a salvation issue. It's a fruit issue. How fruitful do you want to be? What kind of legacy do you want to leave? Saul left a tainted legacy. But a God confidence will leave a life, leave a legacy that blesses lives. So, come on up here, guys, if you can play a little bit for me, Tim. I want to do something. Let's all stand. <clears throat> if, you, if you would say that your life, a common thread in your life, by looking at Saul's life, if you can look through the lens of Saul at your own life and you would say, yeah, I see a lot of insecurity in my life. I see that a lot of the decisions that I made and maybe the things that I ran over, I ran to in my, in, my, in my life, even before Jesus and even since, because a new heart doesn't create a new mind. We're responsible for renewing our minds. And if you look back over your life and even where you're sitting right now in your life and you think, man, a lot of the choices I've made, is, it's been because of a deep-rooted insecurity in my own life. Then just sit with that for a minute. Don't try to dismiss that. Don't try to push that down. Don't try to run from that. Just sit with it. Because we need to acknowledge our need before He can heal it, right? So just right where you are, just acknowledge to the Lord, man, I'm insecure. <laughs> I didn't realize that it was insecurity that was breeding all of these things in my life. The, the bitterness in my life, the resentment in my life, the unforgiveness in my life, the, the, the choices that I've made that got, have got me on the road that I'm on now. It's all because of insecurity. It's all because really I've not believed that God who says God is who he says he is. And I've not believed that I'm who he says I am. And I just want to invite you to repent right now. God, we repent of not thinking like you think. We, we can't afford to have a thought in our minds that's not what you're thinking. Daddies, your children need a man who's secure in God, who's confident not in themselves, not in their ability, but what God can do in them and what God can do through them.
The people in our life need the legacy of men and women who are God confident, not controlled by insecurity. So Father, we're sorry. We repent of where we've not thought right. I, I, when, I, when I think about the when I think about the times where I've run from responsibility, when I've, when I've empowered people, but it really wasn't empowerment. It was just, it was just insecurity acting out. When I've, when I've carried offense because of my own insecurity, I, I re, we repent of that. Lord, we lay that down right now. We change our minds about it. And we say that you are able to do more than we could even ask or imagine in and through us. And I want you right now just to say out loud, if you're a, a, a guy in here, say, I'm a son of God. If you're, a, if you're a daughter in here, say, I'm a daughter of God. And everybody say this, I am chosen of God. I am forgiven. I am loved. I'm cherished. I'm righteous. I'm clean. I'm pure in His sight because of the blood of Jesus. I can do all things through his strength. There is no problem that doesn't have a solution. And I just might be that solution. I am a leader. If you're a dad, say, I am a father. And I'm gonna be one by the grace of God. If you're a mom, say, I'm a mother. And I'm going to be a good one by the grace of Jesus in my life. Lord, we believe the truth about who we are. You are a champion today. You are our champion. We believe who you say we are. We align our lives. We align our thinking with that. And we say insecurity go in Jesus' name. We break off insecurity off of this body right now in Jesus' name. It's got to go. It's got to leave our minds when we invite the healing presence of Jesus to come in the room right now and just pour over our brains. Heal brains. Literally, Lord, just, just the anxiety, depression, all that stuff that, that is stemmed and rooted in insecurity. Be healed right now in Jesus' name. Be healed right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus, that you're a healer. Thank you, Jesus, that you are a restorer. You're a restorer. He's restoring homes right now. He's restoring lives right now. And it has everything to do with our thinking. So the challenge is this. Believe the truth about who God says you are and do what's right even when you don't feel like you can. Don't wait till you feel it to do it. If you know God said do it, do it. There's grace. Say thank you for grace. Thank you for grace that is mine. Now, you feel a little more free than you did when you walked in? How many know it's not a magic pill? We gotta walk it out. How I many you know, maybe even before you get out of this building, you're going to get triggered. What you do with it is what matters. When your insecurity rises up, 
Remind yourself who you are. Get crazy with it. Make you some notes. Get crazy and write on your mirror in your bathroom. Just be silly. Put some notes in your car. Renew your mind and walk it out. I bless you with just a grace to walk in a God confidence like you've never known. Be the mama. God's called you to be, be the daddy. God's called you to be, to be the leader. God's called you to be, to be the friend. In Jesus' name, God bless. You guys have a great week. Um, I, I, there's somebody here, you're like, I want him to pray for me. I just feel like there, there was somebody in this room It's like, that's me. I'm insecure. I identify. And I, you felt like the Lord wanted you, you, wanted you to come to me and let me pray for you. I don't know who that is, but just come on. Everybody else is dismissed. Stay for food pantry, one, one to three. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information, visit thedwellingchurch.org.